With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Me open the rum 
is long the way for food to come. American girl, come back to me. We'll sail away across the sea. We'll dock in New York, the building tide. We find a home up in the sky. Havana moon. Havana moon. Me still alone. Me sip on the rum. Me wonder when the boat she come to bring me love. Sweet little thing. She rock and roll. She dance and sing. She hold me Touch me lips, me eyes they close, me heart she flip. Havana moon, Havana moon. But still alone, me drinking the rum, begin to think the boat no come. American girl, she tell a lie, she say till then she mean goodbye.
your thing We in the belly, so we might as well play The way you shine, shorty, you the shit The princess in the pauper pit We may be poor, but we rich in soul Just get her off again in control Just get her off again in control You know the way you do it, yo, bro
South Shore years and my South Shore family with whom I have reconnected with uh, through Facebook. Uh, it's just been one awesome experience after another, and tonight I'm going to add this one to the list. Well, I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, this trip to Cuba, when I first heard uh, that you were going, it, it, that's been on my bucket list for a long time, along with Africa. And I, just, I could just feel it. It made me want, made it, made me want to just sail along and just just flap my wings and just be there also. How long has that been in the, in the plan? And uh, when did it really hit you? What, what, well, we, when you got there, what, what, what really hit you when you first got there? What just... What, what hit me was the sense of community. Uh, every place, uh, every experience, um, we were part of an educational tour of 10 people. And it was important for me to not by myself to go, but to bring uh, my children with me. Um, my oldest daughter, Sharon, and my son, who's my roommate, Jeff, uh, they were able to go. Uh, my youngest, Angela, has so many commitments. Of course, she just recently got married in graduate school. She was not able to go, but it was really important for my family to experience what we found out and we all agree was the absolute um, experience of a lifetime. I mean, I'm not a vacationer. Uh, I don't even know how to do it right. I don't even know how to retire right. <clears throat> Going to Cuba was an experience. It was not a vacation. It was, uh, in a way, the uh, the acclimation of uh, a process, uh, a style of living. Uh, uh, an economic system, um, and the experience even exceeded my very, very uh, high expectations that I had at the beginning. Um, the country, and I think you can see from my uh, Facebook uh, uh, pictures, is a beautiful country, uh, gorgeous architecture from colonial times through, through now. But more than important than that, uh, it is, in a way, uh, a phenomenon. Um, the revolution was in 1958, and in 55 years, uh, Cuba, which is the size of Pennsylvania and has 11 million people, has a, a literacy rate of 99.8% and an unemployment rate of 1.4%. Um, education from preschool through the universities is no cost, and that is particularly uh, hitting uh, for all of us in the United States because we know many, many people that we celebrate their graduation and their degree, and yet see them struggle to even find an entry-level job, job while having years of student loan debt. And we know that's not fair, but also has free health care. Not what we're trying to cobble together now, mm -hmm. uh, which 
is struggling. I support the President's Affordable Care Act. But frankly, uh, what we call single-payer uh, single Medicare for all, like Cuba has it, uh, is far less expensive, far easier to process. And from what I saw, everybody gets health care, no questions asked. I mean, those are incredible things. Um, you know, the universities, uh, before the revolution, there were three universities in Cuba. Now there are 67. Uh, we visited all levels of school, after-school care. Uh, we visited a um, uh, what someone might call in this country a job training center where uh, people after high school uh, go into trades if that's how they score and that's how they choose. And they learn skills and they develop skills, bricklayer, uh, cement, uh, roofing, painting, or a combination. Construction is a very, very big thing in Cuba. There's a great reconstruction and a lot of money that the state has spent in building up, in developing housing, in redeveloping some of the older buildings. And this work is being done by these young people. Once they get their certifications, once they get their degrees, they go right into the workforce. Um, the woman who was our guide, who's 25 years old, graduated from the University of Havana, and her degree was in language. She had a choice of 20 things she could do. She chose to be a tour guide, and she has a two-year commitment to pay back to the government working within the communities as a tour guide. So everything from what I saw in this country is about community and giving back. Uh, I saw so many volunteers. We went to a senior center, which was so comprehensive. Uh, it had activities. It had okay. small groups uh, of seniors that just interacted with each other. It had an area where you could see an eye doctor. It had an area where you could see a, a medical doctor. It had a crafts area. It had a game area. And this was all in the same building. And all of this is free because the priorities of the government are to provide for the people. And so uh, I, I just got to tell you, uh, Keith, uh, it's uh, amazing. Uh, another thing I found amazing is that more than half of the population of Cuba is what we call mulatto, which is uh, a mixture of, of Spanish descent, which is the original settlers, and Africans. And I saw probably as many individuals of African descent in Cuba throughout all of the different provinces we visited. I mean, we mostly stayed in Old Havana, 
but we visited all over and everywhere in all neighborhoods, at all jobs, doing all things. Uh, we saw individuals of dark skin, individuals of medium complexion, and what we might call lighter cubits working together. Uh, to say we don't see that here is such a vast understatement. I don't even need to go there. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's something because it's, it's like it, 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 what you're saying is exactly the way they want to talk about uh, try to get people to believe is the way it is here, and we are totally opposite. It's like they're doing things the right way there, and I understand that uh, if you want something to eat, you don't have no problem with that either in Cuba. That's for sure. Uh, there are so many carts with fresh foods. Um, we visited an organic uh, cooperative farm, and mm-hmm. there's hundreds throughout Cuba. Uh, Cuba has been beset by uh, what some people say is an embargo. It's actually a blockade. Uh, When America saw that Fidel was going to kick out all of the sugar plantation owners and the corporates and send them away and redistribute the land, all of a sudden they changed from being supportive of the revolution to doing anything and everything they could to defeat the revolution. Uh, and, of course, we know about the Bay of Pigs. Uh, we right, know right. that Eisenhower started the boycott in 1960. The official embargo was in 1962, where America would not allow trade with Cuba. And then in 1996, through what was called the Helms-Burton Act, countries, other countries, they could choose to either trade with the United States or trade with Cuba. And so it pressured many, many countries to pull out of Cuba. And this was after the uh, collapse of the Union of Soviet Soviet Republic, which was the main supporter of Cuba in terms of trade. So, you know, uh, the, the Cuban people and the Cuban government has been faced with this uh, difficult situation. And you can see the lack of different things. You know, uh, in fact, uh, I've never seen so many 1957 Chevys in my life. They're still They're doing that? Them hybrid. <laughs> They're making them hybrid. Chevys, wow. Oldsmobiles, Buicks, Mercury's. I'm going to post some pictures uh, of those. Many of them are cabs. You know, uh, but but it's a people that have used ingenuity. Uh, it's a people that, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I was teasing when we were at the cooperative farm. I was saying, so there's no Monsanto here. You know, there's no pesticides. They said, no, no, we, we couldn't get them if we want them. But obviously it's a, a healthier produce that we're developing, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, we're raising it cooperatively. You know, and organically. The meal they prepared for us was just amazing. Everything was fresh. I had so many different fruits I've never had in my life. You know, and uh, the taste experience was absolutely wonderful. You know, uh, except for my poor daughter. Uh, Being a vegetarian has a downside. She's never had so many omelets in her life. 
you know, she never wants to see another egg for quite a while. But <laughs> you know, but we had we had a good time, uh, Jeff and I. Uh, we had a, <laughs> more than enough to eat, but uh, it's it's amazing, uh, and the experience was amazing. Uh, the music was amazing. We never saw one uh, fire ambulance. Uh, we never heard a police siren. The police we saw were all uh, on the street, on the beat. I mean, there were some on, on highways. They were doing traffic stuff. But from what we saw, and, and I spent much of my time, Mr. Spiro, give me give, hold on one second. We, 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 I sure. see somebody's trying to call in, and I wanted to give out the number, but uh, ho- hold that sure. thought. I want to take this call just so we can get get, get somebody in here to, uh, to share, share the experience with us. Hello, this is uh, We Are Everyday People, who we have on the line. Hey, this is Joe Stroer taking this Joe history Stroer. lesson. <laughs> I oh, know man, you. what's going on, Brother Joe? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting this Cuban history lesson, man. I'm taking it deep, man. I'm wondering, can anybody get to Cuba, or is it just uh, the chosen few? How come I can't get to Cuba? Joe, you can get to Cuba. You know, all you've got to do is uh, go on. Uh, I mean, there's more groups than what I use, but the group I use, I absolutely recommend. CubaExplorer.com. Uh, it's a tour. Uh, America has made it. Challenging, although although our president Barack Obama has eased uh, 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 some of the the real difficulties, but the best way is to just check out the tours. That's how I found it. You know, I thought, I I thought you were going a lifelong dream. I thought you were going with the State Department or something. No, no, no. I mean, you've got to to deal with. Uh, all of the customs people, but uh-huh. it's a lot easier than so. So any be, and it, any it's doable. The only thing you can't do is fly directly. We had to book an extra night coming and going because all you can do is come in uh, from Canada, uh, or uh, we came in from Cancun. So okay. we had a book of two extra days. Uh, we hope that. You know, that's changed. You know, we would love to fly to Cuba directly. Right. But aside from that, uh, it was fine. You know, uh, the group that uh, I worked with, they gave us all kinds of suggestions, advice, and things that we needed to do and things to expect. And uh-huh. it, it turned out fine. So it's doable. You don't have to be special. You don't really... So are the um, accommodations uh, up to par with what we're used to here, or is this no? Nope. Uh, no. I mean, the hotel I stayed in, uh, which is called the Hotel Ofaro, is in uh-huh. Old Havana. You know, and you're kind of, you know, it ain't, uh, it ain't the Ritz It ain't a five-star. No, 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 no. I mean, everything was okay. You know, okay. Uh, the actual street that uh, the hotel is on for uh-huh. about a mile, and actually it was on Cuba Street, is being reconstructed for water, sewer, gas, light. So the sidewalk is all chopped up, and 
you know, you've got to, you know, uh, go through some changes in walking down the street. But that's just that one street. Uh, I mean, there's are, a lot are, of work going on. Are, the hotel are there any, is, is older. Are there any, any room? Uh, the restaurant in the hotel was excellent. Larry? Yep. Are there are there any remnants from when we used to be able to go over there, like the old casinos and uh, show clubs? Are there any uh, traces of any of that stuff from the 60s, early 60s, still there in place? That ended at the revolution because that was part and parcel of uh, life under Batista. You know, when they tried to make Cuba Little Las Vegas. Right. Uh, not in the interest of the priorities of the people. Right. Um, and so we visited the Hotel Nacional, which is where a lot of the action was. Uh-huh. And I've got some, some pictures on my post. But it's now, uh, there's no gambling, there's no showgirls. Uh, you know, the business of the nation is the priority. Well, there's plenty of music. <laughs> there's plenty of fun. Uh, there's incredible jazz. Uh, we visited uh, a Polybri recording company in Abdallah Studio, which is the largest uh, production studio in, in Cuba. And uh, I'm going to be posting a collage of all the famous artists, Cuban artists, that um, have uh, uh, produced and, and uh, recorded their music there. So there's no shortage of fun and activities and amazing restaurants. How, how, how did our money, which how did our money, by, you know, the how, other how, was, how was our money, uh, the, the uh, ratio, was U.S. dollar uh, giving you a, a lot over there? You cannot exchange U.S. dollars. Uh, Part of the boycott, you know, resulted in Cuba saying, we don't want American credit cards. We don't want American money. I took Canadian money, which I exchanged at my bank before I left. Okay. Oh, so they just they just won't change American, but you can you can take Canada, you can go to oh, uh, yeah. take some guilders oh, yeah. from Holland, the Netherlands. Yeah, you can, you can take. In fact, wow. uh, there are so many countries right now that uh, have snubbed their nose at U.S. legislation and are major traders with Cuba, like China, like Canada, like Spain, like Italy, like the Netherlands. Uh, so they're they'll. They'll deal with any any currency except the U.S. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said they will take any currency except the U.S. dollar. I can't say any currency, but clearly uh, they took the currency that I had. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing about currency in Mexico and this is something that they're trying to fix. They have two types of currency. One is the peso, which is like 23 to a dollar. That's right. what regular uh, citizens deal with and get paid in. The and, other is and, what uh, they call and, hoops, C-U-P-S. 
Havana. What we got was Poops, which is almost a one to one ratio. Okay. How did they? How did they? Uh, what, what was their take of you being a tourist from America? What, what, what do they feel towards Americans? Did you feel they, secure? They really, any t- their arms are out. They love uh, uh, tourists because tourists bring money, and they're a very friendly people. Their problem is with the government of the United States. They yeah, have right. no animosity, and, and we felt no ill will. Quite the opposite. We felt uh, a great, great sense. I was standing there, and I have a, a T-shirt uh, because uh, I'm a member, you know, of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Museum uh, in, in Memphis, and I was wearing it. And a man came up to me from Ghana, a medical student studying at the University of, of Havana. And he invited me into a bar, which was across the street. There's just tons of bars, you know, uh, and just started talking and wanting to know different things and had a notebook. And we talked for two hours. It was just great. Now, is there quite a bit of English there, or is it kind of far and few between? Uh, far and few for between. For English speaking. Far and few between, although uh, in their curriculum, you know, English is a, a language that many people uh, learn, certainly uh, a lot more there learning English than here learning Spanish. Okay. Hmm. Now, wh- what did you get any take or any idea? Because I know some people try to defect from Cuba. Did you ever get any take on any particular reason why uh, they want to do that? Well, let, let me share with you something. I mean, originally, those that left were those in power. And when Fidel Castro declared that he wanted to take the land uh, and, and divide it up more equitably, uh, a lot of people saw the handwriting on the wall. Uh, there were others once the United States saw that all of the uh, private corporate interests in America were going to be nationalized, they immediately put together strategies with um, uh, the CIA and, incidentally, the, some of the leaders of the Catholic Church in Cuba to try to counter-revolutionize uh, one of the most outstanding incidences I'm going to be uh, talking about a little bit was called Operation Peter Pan uh, in 1961. And the CIA admitted after it, uh, after this operation uh, went that the reason that they did this was to try to just foment uh, revolution and disunity. They told families that Fidel Castro was going to take their children and put them in communist camps for 10 years and keep them. And so many people were scared that they sent over 18,000 children between the ages of eight, between the ages of five and 18 to Miami to stay with somebody else 
until the counter-revolutionary uh, would uh, would take the country back. Uh, later, of course, it was admitted it was a hoax, but it was a hoax that was worked out through the CIA and uh, the Catholic Church leadership in Cuba to wrest power back with those that had it before. Uh, we know about the Bay of Pigs, you know, yeah, uh, right, and we know right, about yeah. other efforts. But, of course, you know, uh, in the midst of all that, and in the midst of a very, very uh, sledgehammer-like blockade, uh, Cuba has continued to, to prosper. The life expectancy right now is 78 years old. Uh, and like I said before, unemployment, 0.4%. Uh, they have built wow. up their industry, their sugar, petroleum, tobacco. We, we visited a uh, tobacco farm. Uh, construction is real, real big. And so tobacco, tobacco is still a major tobacco is tobacco is still a major financial foundation for them. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, of course, Cuban cigars are, are sought all over the world. So you got us some cigars? Uh, <laughs> no. You know, one of the things there's two things they won't let you take out: cigars and rum. Uh, although I got to tell you guys, I, I added to my repertoire of Scotch interest something called Cuba Libre, uh-huh. and we had that every day, and that's just rum and coke, but with Cuban rum. And uh, mojitos, that was the yeah. welcoming drink before every meal. Wow. So wow. Cubans know how to drink, and I just did my best to be a Cuban while I was in Cuba and try to keep up with them. Okay. All right. Well, Joe Schroeder's got to go. I just wanted to let you all know that, Larry, I missed you, man. We had some great things happening at the House of Being at uh, Mo Better Jazz with uh, Ari last week, and it was really a packed house. There was no seats to be had. And tomorrow night we expect the same crowd when we celebrate Brother Keith Bledsoe's birthday tomorrow, as well as bringing in Dina Spivey, who is a four-time winner at the Showtime at the Apollo, and her wow. her her husband is the bass player for uh, George Duke Parliament. He's the one that says, "Tear the roof off the mother, tear the roof off the mother." So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna be a part of that, Joe. Clyde Spivey, he's um, uh, man, uh, she's an incredible singer. I'm uh, looking forward to having them there. It should be a great night. And uh, I want to thank everybody for supporting Mo Better Jazz and the rebirth of jazz in South Shore. Absolutely. I, I want to thank you for having it there for us to, for us to support, man. I look no, forward to it tomorrow. All right, I'm going to get out of here. i got to go to bed early. I love you guys, man. I love what you do, Keith. I'm, yeah, uh, likewise, brother. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Take care now. See you tomorrow, Joe. Okay, Larry. Bye, Keith. Night. Take care now. You still here, Mr. Spiro? I am. 
Okay, yeah, I'm glad we got that in there. I was kind of wondering, man, with all the technical difficulties, man, how are we going to get this in here? Can we get it in? But we got it in. Beautiful. We got it in. So we had left off. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about is you had mentioned the uh, life expectancy is like 78 years old. So I, I take it they, they must they take pretty good care of their seniors there. Well, you know, first of all, health care is free. Second of all, they emphasize preventative health care. Um, particularly women, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, all of the procedures, all of the, uh, the different tests, um, they uh, are very much involved with population control. So the average family size is like one child, maybe two, um, and they work together. It's 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 combining individual health and needs of a, of a society. And uh, it's important. Uh, I was in Old Havana, which, of course, is, uh, you know, Havana is the capital and the largest city. It's uh, about uh, 2.2 uh, uh, 2, uh, 2, people. And uh very congested. Uh, most of the rest of Cuba, because there are 17 provinces total, uh, Havana is just one. Uh, mm-hmm. most, most of the rest uh, doesn't have that kind of population density. So it's important uh, in uh, in Havana, in particular, uh, to make sure that there's housing and there's jobs. For everybody, um, when you have an unemployment rate as low as it is, when you have a literacy rate and people every day working or going to school, uh, one of the things that has changed, and mm-hmm. this has come about since 2008 uh, with, with uh, the, Raja, uh, the Raul Castro uh, approach, it's more of a mixed economy. Uh, there are private businesses now. There's small private restaurants. There's private cabs as well as public cabs. And so the imagery, of course, that's often portrayed as a totalitarian dictatorship where the government controls everything is, again, uh, a fictitious. Uh, it certainly yeah. is a socialist state, but they uh, are relaxing some things. And there are people, many people, and I've visited enough private businesses there uh, to know that uh, that is, is part of the economy and will continue to be and will grow. I mean, they may be a socialist state, but maybe that's the state to be in. I mean, what state are, are we in here, and who are we to talk about anybody else's state? I mean, because the, the state that I see we have here is definitely a 1% state uh, based on uh, – based on greed and power, and there is no distribution of anything. If Cuba has, for 1%, a 1% unemployment, I mean, you must not see too many people hanging out like you'd see going down maybe 79th Street in Chicago. Everybody's going somewhere. Everybody's got something to do. I mean, in America, the Walton family owns more wealth than the bottom 40% of society, 400 individuals in this country have more wealth than the bottom half over 150 million people. And so 
when you have that have it have not in equity, clearly what comes from that is what we have now. Uh, in this country, uh, people can't even stay even. Healthcare, because uh, the employer is creating a situation where he or she is not going to be responsible for uh, paying for health care less and less, comes out of your check. Pensions are just about a thing of the past. And so where's the security? You know, how do we retire with dignity? Well, you know, we we have a long way to go and we have a well, lot I, of problems. I, I, uh, I, I, I can, not I can perfect, speak. but I'm very comfortable with how they are doing things and Frankly, we could take some lessons and, and be a better society as far as I'm concerned. And that's why they hate Cuba, in addition to amongst other things, but because they're, they don't want the world to see how they're doing it the right way and distributing equally regardless of your shade and your hue and your color and uh, giving the people what they want and giving the people what they need. Did they go in, in, into it all uh, as far as crime? Uh, I, I wouldn't I would yes. imagine, based oh, yes. on a 1% yes. in, uh, uh, unemployment, that they would have a self-genocide that we have in our communities. No, and that's true. Uh, there was a professor, uh, uh, Dr. Marta Nunez Sarmiento. She's a sociology professor at the university, and she talked to us for about two hours <laughs> in terms of lots of things. Uh, in terms of uh, women's rights, uh, 49% of elected officials are women in Cuba. Uh, Cuba does have government, and somebody, again, might think that there's Fidel and now his brother Raul making all the decisions, but they have a very sophisticated and a very detailed level of government, all the way from national government, which is in the capital of Havana, to Provincial governments, of course, in each of the 17 uh, provinces, and they are elected. There's a constitution that the people get to vote on. Uh, you know, Chicago can't even have an elected school board. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so the imagery, the stereotype, uh, I guess the single most important thing I can do is to bust the stereotypes and let people know from my perceptions. And, and, again, I was just there a week. I'm hardly an expert, but I went there with a lot of knowledge, and I came back with more, and uh, yeah. I'm happy to share it. I'm, I'm glad you are because this, this is a learning experience for me. Because, And I hope for everybody who is not listening now, when they hear the archive, can hear it with an open mind and stop just falling for everything you know, unfortunately, that our own country tries to get us to believe. I mean, it's almost like the best thing to do with this country is that whatever they tell you, believe it, believe the opposite, and then you'll get it right. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. But uh, it's, what was I going to ask? As far as uh, I'd actually before, as far as people wanted to defect, because and, and you mentioned that they were at the time those who were in power, but you know, I've seen in you know recent few years or so where they were, you know, they called them the both people. You got to boat full of, you know, dark-skinned black Cubans trying to get across here. Is, mm-hmm. is there something going on there that's pushing that, – that, is, is that even accurate? I mean, are they – were they put away from Cuba? I don't know. Are they trying to get away from anybody? Well, you I, know, I, 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 uh, there are 
people probably that leave where they are for all kinds of reasons. But sure. I would tell you that the absolute vast majority of people uh, are comfortable, supportive, you know, and are working to make the country better. Uh, we thoroughly understand because of the propaganda and even more importantly the economic interests of this country when you have a situation like that or when you have a, a pui, uh or a, a cespedes, a Cuban baseball players that can come over here and make millions and millions of dollars. I mean, a lot of people go wherever for millions and millions of dollars, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, you know. I mean, I'm not mad at them. I understand. Yeah, but, but that's not what regular folk do. Uh, okay. The everyday people there are cool. Out of Cuba. So the Cuban everyday people, they're okay. They're fine. They're yes, all right. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Now, was, uh, was there any was there any word on Castro and what's happening and how you know? Of course, I know he's getting up in age and you know, just like Mandela, you know, eventually we all want to go. But was there any no, word on absolutely. his condition? No, he his health is not well. He's still with us. Uh, he doesn't appear publicly very much. He doesn't appear to make his annual uh, address. Uh, he rarely comes out. Uh, his brother Raúl is in charge. Is there any indication or any type of uh, negative vibe or panic that what might happen once, uh, you know, as we all will do eventually, uh, you know, Castro, you know, passes on? Are they worried about that or are they they thinking Raul has it in hand? Raul says that uh, he will be leaving the the reins of government in 2018. Uh, As the... uh, society evolves and like I say there are changes and there's a big plan in place for more change you know uh, the nature of the country the leadership of the country and the spirit of the people continue to to move forward uh, continue to be probably the most literate country certainly in the in, in the, uh, the, the southern hemisphere uh, certainly in Latin America, uh, a country with the lowest unemployment, uh, a country that will continue to have uh, free public education, free health care for all. I mean, that's a good country to me. And what's so, what's so difficult about that? I mean, the only difficulty about it is the people here just don't want that, period. I mean, and all, all well, the problems I, that we I, have I here. I don't think it's anything to do with the people. Uh, This country was founded by the rich, for the rich. Uh, Those that were talked about in the Constitution in the 18th century. Those are the the people I was talking about. When I said the people, I didn't mean mean the everyday people. I'm talking about that 1%. Right, right. And if we were a true democracy rather than uh, uh, an oligarchy, then the voice of the people would predominate. Ironic that the will of the people in a communist country 
is far more evident than the will of the people in this so-called democratic country of ours. Yeah. And, and, and who, who, who's defining communism and who's defining democracy? Because as far as what democracy is from the definition that we're living in right here, uh, that's inaccurate, <laughs> you know, according to how we're living and according to what the, the definition of democracy is. We're missing well, something here. I certainly and, shudder to think about how a Tea Party member describes democracy. I don't want that kind of democracy. Well, it, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, like you say, we can we can we mess around and be talking all night. You know, the system will cut us off. Going going go there, <laughs> you know. But I we, we both know what's going on. But I I hope that everybody does their homework. And you know, just that's why I really wanted to have you on was to because I understand the stereotypes that they try to you know the perceptions that they try to get us to view uh, Cuba as being. And I know that that's not true. I, I can't explain it because I've never been there. But I've done just just knowing this country and how it operates. Uh, like I said, you know, what, what they tell you, you have to kind of some, most of the time go the opposite way. Then you'll have it right. You know, I so, uh, more, you know, that, that's, uh, I tell you, hearing, hearing, hearing you talk about it, it really gives me just another push to say, man, I got to check this out. I mean, I got, I got to get a picture of these 1957 viewings, you know, they, and they're still running. You know, you see a 1957 yeah, viewer here, it's yeah, in the, it's in the farms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, again, I, I will be posting, posting that. Um, yeah, the first time I, I saw it, I thought I was in a rock musical or something. So you had a chance to uh, check out the, the music scene, uh, the just the everyday yep. people scene, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the yeah. streets. And did you get a chance to go into uh, a worship? Did you did you get a chance to experience any of their uh, religion or spiritual? Uh, Power? Well, if, if, I don't know if you saw the, the pictures I posted. Um, was it yesterday? Was that my first post? Uh, the predominant religion in Cuba is called Santeria. Uh, it's considered, it's interesting, Cuba's considered a Roman Catholic country, but there are more practitioners of Santeria which comes essentially from the Yoruba religion brought to the New World by West Africans. And uh, the, um, uh, the murals that I posted yesterday uh, that shows uh, some amazing Santeria uh, figures and symbols and ceremonies uh, are just amazing. I mean, those that have studied or understand some of the African traditions, the religious customs, including a trance for communicating with ancestors and deities, and those kind of things, and drumming and dance. I mean, we were uh, we were treated by the rumba dancers to uh, just an incredible exhibition of drumming and dancing, uh, and that is the predominant religion in Cuba. Hmm, okay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So this was a guided tour, is that correct? You you had a guide pretty much for yeah. everything you did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And which I, I probably would 
I guess that'd be a recommendation anyway. You know, it'd be kind of crazy to go if you don't know what's happening. So, well, the thing yeah. is, when we first saw uh, this uh, organization, they had a series of seven-day tours, and they broke down every day. And I shared that with my son and my daughter, and we just got more and more excited because what it consisted of was just so many amazing experiences. You know, every day, a full day of just a variety and a diversity of different kinds of experiences. You know, and all with uh, Cuban food. Uh, It was just, uh, it was incredible. It, it, it definitely sounds that way. Wow. Yep. So how, how many people were part of your group? Ten. Oh, just ten? It, oh, that's that's, that's even better. That's not, not too few. And yeah, okay. There were, there were people from San Francisco to Maine, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, Nashville, Tennessee. It was a very diverse, it was a very uh, uh, fascinating group, and we all developed a kind of a group feel, and it, uh, we communicate now. There might be a couple of them listening. I, I sent out the uh, link uh, earlier today okay. to all of them. And uh, our tour guide, like I say, this young lady uh, was amazing, 25 years old, and just so knowledgeable and so passionate uh, and so accommodating. Sounds like they really love what they do. I, I they, they, they just it for uh, for anybody. It's just, and again, it's uh, uh, CubaExplorers.com. I'm gonna write that Cuba CubaExplorers.com. Yes. Okay. Okay, got it. And I can always listen to the archive. Also, if I don't get it, I can always listen to it. Like I hope, and like most people have been, the archives have been doing extremely well. I mean, off the chain. I never would have thought. I mean, this is far, far exceeded my expectations. You know, so this this is beautiful. And then what what we're bringing here, what you're bringing from your experience in Cuba, is just going to uh, just add on to that. So uh, I tell you, anything. Uh, I don't know if we left out. We can always come back and do it again. But anything in closing you want, might want to share with uh, the everyday people as far as. Uh, just a foundation of your experience there? Well, I guess to sum up, let me do a little more detail with the very first thing I posted. Uh, It was evident to Fidel after the revolution that there was a literacy gap in his country. In 1960, 23% of Cuba was illiterate. Most of those that could neither read nor write lived in the rural area, in the mountains, and were elderly. Fidel sent out a nationwide uh, charge for young people between the ages of 9 and 17 to join together to attack illiteracy and to sign up, leave their homes and families for a year, go into the rural areas so we could make our country literate. Um, 
over 40,000 young people answered the call. And by the end of 1961, literacy had dropped over 20% to less than 3%. A picture that I posted with a, a senior holding a pencil sitting next to a, a young lady, yeah. maybe 15 years old, is so compelling yeah. to me, speaking about how a nation can realize, confront, and and move forward. And I think that that visit to the Literacy Museum in many, many ways exemplifies how I feel about my experience. That was the most touching uh, photograph. But I remember that one clearly the, with the elderly lady with the pencil with the young teenager learning yeah. how to read and write and, and, and enthusiastic about it. You can't, the looks on both of their faces were, you, uh, you just, you can't make that up. You can't pose for that. You really can't. And, and if that doesn't speak to the spirit and the commitment of a people, then I don't know that. And that is a, a, a blueprint as to how you do it, which is why this country wants nothing to do with it. And that's a, that's a sad statement, but it appears to be uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> well, wow. I guess I always take the position that we must progress in spite of, not because of. And so that's why Absolutely. we do what we do on the community level, uh, irrespective of those above us. Regardless, you know, we, yes. we don't have to worry about that. We just have to make our little mark and continue to move forward and help people. And that's that's why we're here. And do do what we do and just believe in what you're doing. And that's exactly what Dr. Francis Cress Wilson told me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she just right. do, do what you do. Do what you believe in your heart and go with it and just you let it grow. It. And that's Mrs. Shapiro, uh, I, I'm honored to have you on. I uh, look forward to hopefully you make it to the House of Dane tomorrow. I will be there. I'm going to, my birthday is today, but I'm going to kind of do it tomorrow and hope to see as many of my uh, South Shore uh, preppies and family and friends from, from regardless of South Shore or not, all over the place there. And uh, that's I'm looking forward to it. We will have a birthday celebration uh, two days in a row then, Keith. And we will tell you one and have great music. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to, uh, when I get off of here tonight, I'm going to get a little sleep, get up, and I'm heading to Chicago. Okay, buddy. Take care, Mrs. Pirro. Uh Appreciate you. you. Much res- much respect to you and spread the love. I shall. See you tomorrow night. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. Wow. That was, uh, I tell you, that was a good piece of education, uh, learned a lot, uh, some was verified, some I had no idea, and uh, I do now. And to hear uh, the experience of someone who was there, live and in living color, uh, who can either support or, you know, disagree with the perception that we've been given here in the United States of America of a country like Cuba, who appears to be doing things the right way, which is why this country don't want us to know about it. 
it's obvious. And if it's one, it's one question I missed. I missed one question from Mr. Shapiro. I meant to ask him about the television programming in Cuba. What type of television programming they have there? What type of movies are they showing? Are they showing the same stuff that we're showing here? Uh, are video games prevalent? Are they evident? Are they out there? Do do we see that type of mentality? I, w- I would imagine that we don't. With a 1% unemployment rate, these people are trying to work and take care of their people. They got jobs. They got things to do, period. So, uh, wow, thanks again to Mr. Shapiro. Uh, and, you know, I'll let that marinate. And that will be one uh, part of my bucket list that I do intend to erase eventually, like I said, in addition to Africa. Uh, that's just two things I want to do. Okay, so as uh, it was mentioned yesterday, today is my birthday. I am uh, 56, and I'm in the prime of my life. And there was a time when I used to think 56 was old as dirt. But I tell you, you know, as you every year you keep living, you know, that what you thought was old, as you get closer to it, it'll seem younger and younger to you. <laughs> but I uh, I sincerely believe that, you know, the prime of your life is not about how fast you can run, jump, uh, you know, throw a baseball or whatever, you know, what your stamina or how many how fast you can jump up a flight of stairs. You know, prime of your life, is, it, it's really a mental thing as, as you get older. It's, it's about, you know, I, I think better now than I did ever in my life. Isn't that prime? Doesn't that count? Is it all? Does it all have to be physical? What about the mental part? I, I, I think, you know, uh, now in a way that I never knew when I was in my 20s and 30s, when you, you know how it is, when you, when you think you know everything and don't know a damn thing. Uh, unfortunately, it, sometimes it takes you to learn a little bit and live, and then you look back at it. But I'm just saying it now to maybe those younger ones can take a moment to say, hey, you know, and, and look at it a little bit harder now instead of waiting until they get up here and looking back and saying, I didn't really know what I thought I knew. Well, look at it right now and realize you don't know what you think you know. Believe me. So just keep an open mind, you know, and uh, roll with it and stay positive. And don't be a part of any uh, self-annihilation thoughts. So I'm not going to talk too much longer. I just want to say that being my birthday, I do have a wish. I have a wish. And it comes in maybe more than one part, but I have a wish. And basically, that is that we treat each other better, period. I wish that we would just treat each other better. I wish that we would acknowledge each other. What I mean by that is when you're at work or wherever you are, you're coming down the hallway at work and then you, you, you're you about, you know, 20 feet away, one person's coming one way, you're going that, in that direction, and you do all kind of contortionist physical moves to keep from saying hello, like you're trying to not see that person, when all you have to do is say, hey, what's going on? How how you doing today? And keep on walking. You know, it ain't, it ain't got to be personal. Acknowledge each other. Say hello. Say hi. Make eye contact. Don't be just turning your head, looking at the wall like you don't see this other human being coming toward you, especially a human being of your own, of your own people. Believe me, if if you stop doing that contortionist act, 
and look your brother or sister in the eye, and you can keep walking, just say, hey, how you doing? I'm telling you, you'll feel better. A lot of the stress that we put on ourselves, we put a lot of the stress that we have, we put on ourselves by because of how we act. When you go to the store, grocery store, department store, whatever, you go to the cashier, you walk up to her, she seems like she have an attitude, he seems like he have an attitude, he or she, whatever. You know, don't take it personal all the time. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. What just happened last night, but they still had to come to work regardless. Give them a break. Don't take it seriously. You take control. Take a minute to say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? How they treating you? That's that's a word of mine a lot of times when I go into Walmart or whatever store. I'll go to the cash register. I'll, hey, how they treating you? Everything all right? And it, it seems to knock whatever barrier they have there just because somebody's asking them about them. And how are they being treated? It brings their guard down. It opens them up a little bit, and it makes them feel better. And it, therefore, it makes me feel better. Most of them say, "Oh, they treat me okay." I've had some tell me, "Not too good, and not bad." And what I'll do is I'll give them an encouraging word. Well, you know what? Hang in there. It ain't about them. It's about you. Don't let them bring you down. Compliment your people. We can do this. We can do this. It starts with baby steps. It starts within you as an individual. You make the effort. Don't wait. Don't say this, well, this person turned their head or forget that. No, well, speak anyway. There's been many a times where I pass a brother. I'm going to a store on the corner. I see a couple of teenagers. I say, gentlemen, what's going on? How y'all doing? They appreciate that. It's little things like that. It's it's not big things that's going to get us over. It's small things. That's just my opinion. I'm just sharing my opinion. It's my birthday, so I'm going to do that. But I think what I'm saying makes sense. If you have a better way, use your way. Don't go by what I'm saying. I wish we stopped using all the reasons that we have to be united as excuses to kill each other. I get all the reasons, but I don't get why we use them as excuses to kill each other. Those should be reasons to unify a people, period. I wish that we learned the system. I wish we learned the system, what it's doing, what it's about, what its motive is how it works, why it works, and who it works. Got to learn the system. If we don't learn the system, there's nothing else happening. And finally, finally, I want everybody, if you can, this is not religious, but this is what I do. Take the time to, I can't say that I'm a praying man, I can say I'm a meditating man. And I think prayer is more of uh, looking for what can be done for you. I believe meditation is looking for what you can dig down within yourself and do for yourself. That's just me, but you do whatever works for you. So I would hope that everybody would just dig down deep within yourself and embrace 
whatever your spiritual power is, whatever works for you. But it's, it's, it's a power within you. You don't have to go outside of yourself. You don't have to reach up in the sky. You don't have to walk in anybody's building. You really don't even have to read a book. This is about you and your personal power. It's there. It's the same message, and this might this ain't no joke, but this is it's the same message that the classic movie, The Wizard of Oz, was presenting to us back then, what was being presented to everybody. The Wizard of Oz was saying exactly what I'm saying. It was a movie, but it dug deep, so deep people couldn't even really get it. They looked at the entertainment part about it. There's no place like home means there's no place like within you. That's where you're going to find everything you need. You ain't got to go down a doggone yellow brick road. Ain't no where's out there. Ain't no ours. It's you. You got the power. It's there. Dig down. Embrace your spiritual power. Learn who you are. Bring it up. And when you do that, when you look in the mirror, you will see your God. You will see your spiritual power. When that happens, then we will have a harvest for the world. In the name of whomever or whatever spiritual power, peace.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.